0: Okay, so what I'm gonna teach uh, today is I was I have been studying personality disorders, and mainly it started from me teaching my Dangerous Man class, and we go over a lot of different uh, personality disorders, and the whole field of that is always very very intriguing. But I had an old uh, video cassette tape of one of uh, one of my favorite Christian um, psychologists. Cloud and Townsend, and um, he was talking about personality disorders, but he was teaching it to, his con- to the congregation that he's a part of. So he was just teaching it not on so much as di- diagnosis people with, you have this, but more of talking about the generalities of it and finding kind of where we possess these different um, malfunctions in our own personality, like almost everyone has that just because no one was raised perfectly. So we all have some little dysfunctions in us. So coming more from that perspective, um, his perspective on it is a little different than, you know, most people, because most people, if you read up on it, are, you know, it is a very permanent thing, and it's very fixed, and it's unchanging. And he came more from a Christian perspective. So with Christ, of course, all things are possible, and that if you ever wanted to really be changed or whatever you could be, regardless of what your issue is. So he started off with um, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And I had never seen the scripture rendered in this vein or this, this way. So um, we're going to start right there, and then from there we're going to build up. So um, I'm reading King James Version for a change. Uh, but it says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in, in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. You know, learning not to ever just believe what people say anymore. I had to go and research it for myself, dissect it to make sure he was saying the right thing. Since what he said seemed so foreign to how this scripture had ever been portrayed, you know, in all my teachings that I've heard. So I went and I examined each keyword, looked at it in the Greek to see what the real meaning of those words are. So if we start off with um, enter ye in to the straight gate. So straight and narrow can be used almost interchangeably. In one instance is an adjective describing the way, in the other form it's a verb stating the action of the way. In the form of an adjective, the Greek word is, and I'll just, I don't know how to pronounce this stuff, so I'll just spell it for you if you want to look it up yourself. It is S-T-E-N-O-S, okay? And that straight and narrow means groanings. It It is described as narrow because it runs counter to our natural inclinations. Narrowness represents anguish and distress. So if we are to describe the gate, it is a gate that is decorated with anguish, groanings, and distress. Isn't that nice? nice. Yeah. It is a gate that once we enter into it, we are to expect to have to challenge our natural inclinations. So we are to enter in at a gate that looks like this. The beginning. This is where we're supposed to start, and this is why. If you, I can't remember where it is. Y'all may know um, that the scripture tells us to count up the costs before we begin. That was Christ speaking. He was pretty much just saying in our prayer phrase for the good Jesus. <sighs> it's kind of ignorant for you to go and decide to build a house. And not go and figure out how all this is going to cost you. So that when you start building, you don't have to stop and look stupid. Pretty much that's the vein of that scripture. (sighs) Yeah. And we didn't, because I think the way we entered into our salvation, we never counted up the cost. Because no one really presented to us, this is what we're about to enter into. And this is how it is described. We come in on bells and whistles that, ooh, I'm about to make it to heaven. You know, God's going to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to make it to heaven. Praise Jesus. And let's keep, you know, jumping and skipping. That's not what the Christ said. He said, if you're going to get in, this is where you got to start. Now, the verb, which is T-H-L-I-B-O, this is what the gate is going to do to us. And this is what the way is going to do to us. It means to press, to squash, and to hem in. The way is rendered narrow by divine conditions, which makes it impossible for any to enter in who think the interest depends upon self-merit or who still are inclined towards sin or desire to continue in evil. It figuratively means to afflict, To harass with nuisances. Don't you feel like sometimes you're just being bothered? To discomfit, which means to frustrate the plans of. And we wonder why, you know, because we've all come with our plans. We've been planning since 15 how our life was going to look. And we can't seem to figure out why God won't allow our plans to work. Because the way is made To frustrate our plans. To oppress and to vex. He says in verse 13, to enter in at this gate. And in 14, he says, this is the way that leads to life. Now, who knew? So he gives a contrast because the Lord loves choices. Whenever choices is taken out the picture, that means you're not with Jesus because Jesus always gives choices, always. So he says, wide is the gate, and broad is the way. Wide in the Greek is P-L-A-T-E-I-A, and it simply means a wide street. Should I spell that again? Oh, you all got it. And again, we have two different forms of the word broad as an adjective again and then as a verb. In the Greek, it is e u r. U-C-H-O-O-R-O-S. As an adjective, it means spacious and flat. As a verb, it means to be agreeable and pleasant. So the gate that most enter into is very wide and spacious, and the way is agreeable, pleasant, and flat, which renders you without dimensions. So then he says destruction is an action demonstrating... Complete disregard for the value of something. It is waste or ruin. So if you walk on the, take the broad gate and take that path, you are disregarding your value and the value of him. And that's why you lead to waste and to ruin. It is represented both spiritually now and eternally. Life, which is both spiritual now and eternal, as the eternal one to come, is also in the end of the gate. It is representative of the life that God has designed in principle, which is right now, and it is represented in himself. So if you travel the narrow gate, then you find God. You find the life that he designed for you. Just getting that life is a little painful. So if we sum it all up, so we're enter in at a gate that is full of anguish and groanings and to stay on a path that is going to hem us up and frustrate our plans and harass us so that we can find life both now eternally and right now. And he says, few find it. And now we see why. Because who wants to stay on a path like that? And we think people leave the path because they just want to go cut the food. People leave the path because the path is painful. If we really are on this path, the gate is wide and the way that is broad is the common way that is flat and lacks dimension, but it is very spacious. Who wants to be tight? You're like, we all like our space. We don't want people touching us. We don't want to be rubbed up against and feeling claustrophobic. That's a horrible feeling. But the narrow path, and it gets narrow. We want to be spacious. We want to be free. I want to do my thing. Let's just be pleasant and agreeable. I ain't got to fight with you. You ain't got to fight with me. You ain't got to touch me. I ain't got to touch you. But the narrow path, we're going to be rubbing up against each other. Because that's part of us being transformed. That's why it says, you know, what's that? Iron sharpens iron, something like that. I'm going to learn these scriptures one day. But that's why that scripture says that. We are supposed to sharpen one another. We're supposed to rub up against each other and get all that junk out of us. But what did the good devil do? He says, isolate, separate, live in your own little world. Don't trust people. Stay away from people. Just do your thing. Folks can't be trusted. Get away from them. You and Jesus. See, he even camouflaged it. You can be with Jesus. He don't mind you being with Jesus. Be with Jesus by yourself, though, because he knows that if you get with Jesus and other people of, like, faith that we're trying to do this, transformation is going to happen. That devil, just he's just so, you know, just flipping one little thing. And look how we get up, and we're so excited that we're all alone. We're so, this world just got to be by yourself. Don't nobody want to live this thing. You can walk alone, turn your face to the wall. You know? (laughs) We neglect the coming together. And that's why we all messed up. So the hardest part of this walk in transformation is the inner work that we must do. The behavioral stuff, we can cut that off. Really, any Joe Mo can stop some behavioral stuff. They don't even have to know Jesus. Do it all the time. All day, Can cut off. I'm not going to do that no more. But to change who you are, that personality that you've had since three and four, all that crap that you've used to defend yourself and protect yourself, that God has to come in and clean out, that is some hard work. And that's why we stay on the surface. We say, okay, I can do that, I can pretty it up, I can make it look right. But I'm the same person that I walked in the door with. And I've been here 15, 20 years and nothing about the inner me is different. Luke 13 and 23. It says, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, but shall not be able. Strive means to exert oneself vigorously, to make strenuous efforts. He says, many will seek to enter And to seek means to try to find or discover by searching or questioning. But he says, but they will not be able to enter in. So then I started thinking. And the scripture that came to mind was, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, the door will be open. Now, why is it that they're seeking the gate, but they're not finding it? what went wrong? Where's the disconnect? So, got to pondering. If you don't enter in the right gate, you will never be on the right path. So that's why the first thing you have to find is the right gate. Many have entered into the wide gate and have tried to live on a narrow path and this is why the next verse goes into, I don't know you. And they said, well, we professed in your name. We did these miracles in your name. But I never knew you. You never came in the right gate. You just started acting like the people that supposedly know me. So those people entering at the wrong gate but tried to mimic those who entered in at the straight gate. So then I had to start thinking. Y'all excuse my picture. Okay, because I had to get this myself. I was like, there's gotta be something. Okay, so this is what I am believing. (laughs) Yeah, come a little closer, y'all, so y'all can see. I wanted to make it on a big thing, and I wanted to print it, but, you know, me and time, I had to go pick him up from the airport so I didn't have time to make copies. Okay, it's Jason's fault. Okay, so if you look at here, right, this is just the first street. We're all going in trying to find Christ. Now here you got the Acts 238 way. Which is the way. You know, folks who think I've been left the doctrine. I do believe in the Jesus baptism and the repentance and the speaking in the tongues. I believe in all that, right? That's just the beginning. You just have to get in this way. But some people got in or thought they got in with the I believe and I accept. Right-handed fellowship, right? They coming in. They trying to get to the gate. Now, this is the same street. We happen to go on this side. They happen to be on this side. They entering in at this gate. Okay? Nice, agreeable, flat. Don't really have to fight. We just as wide. Come in. You don't have to really do what the scripture says to find Christ. Just do it your way. Now, here's us. This thing is open. You can either go to the straight gate or you can go over here to the agreeable gate. what you do to Acts 2.38? That's true. Some of us did the Acts 238 because that made sense to us. But then we walked over to the big gate because the little gate said groaning on it. <laughs> we was like, what? You know, remember when you first got in and you were like, you thought it was going to be all <laughs> peaches and cream? And then you was like, you got to be kidding. I thought I was just going to stop doing a couple of things. Now you're asking me to not be me no more? Oh, Lord, I think we're going to have to come over here. Because then you have people that say that's fine. Who's really talking about changing that inner deep person? Right. Right. So we just say throw on a skirt, put on your suit, quit going to the club, don't drink no more, stop smoking, stop having sex. You're good to go. Come that's to church, it. That's it. sit there, do a couple of hips and skips, right. and, <laughs> and you're fine. But you're the same person. Okay? You're on this flat. You have no dimension. Now, we can stay on the little gate, hard and frustrating, keep on that path, inner house being clean, press for change. But at all times, you can exit out Wow. and get on to this street. Yes. These people have to come back down here, the ones that did it this way. Us, we could just scoot back over. Just get on back on this path. Leave that one alone, do the hard work. Then at the end, see here, you ain't you can't cross no more. It's over. Once you cross here, oh 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 well. You can make it cuter, yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Very that And it clicked to me then. Like, this is how that scripture is what he's talking about. Absolutely. He's like, I don't know you. Yeah. You never got to know me. Because to know me, you would transform everything about you. And those people, I think, that are yelling, but we did it in your name, I don't think that they thought they were wrong. They were sincere. They was ready to go. <coughs> what are you talking about? I can't get in. But I did what you told me to do. Came I prayed, I helped with the poor. Yeah. I t- came the wrong you came through the doggone wrong gate. And now I'm leading to eternal destruction? Wow. Even with me coming every week and not doing those sins? I stopped doing that stuff for you. How do you say you don't know me? How sad is that? How scary is that? In the Message Bible, the same verse, 13, he says, um, a bystander said, Master, will only a few be saved? And he said, whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind on your life with God. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires your total attention a lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. Wow. 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 And that's what we've been doing, just hanging around the neighborhood, going to the block parties, saying, hey, I don't know you. Ain't no chair for you because I don't know you. You're not on the guest list. Because you went in on the wrong gate. So we better make sure we're not just hanging around, but that we're walking on the narrow way. Because of the fall, we have all had to make some man-made adaptations. A lot of these adaptations came in the form of our personalities. From conception, we are in the mode of to adapt even when we're in the belly we still have to adapt to what our mother is doing while she's carrying us Um, we have to adapt to every whim and fancy of our parents depending on who who our parents are uh, we were either allowed to develop into the person God breathed in us or we had to seriously compromise our development to survive Some of us had to really compromise to the point of breaking because we had poor parents. And some of us just had to bend a little. But at any rate, we began to pick up different ways to be. Not what God designed for us. The more severe, the more disordered we are. I'm of the belief that some things are genetic, some things are in the brain chemistry, you know, there are brain abnormalities and all that. But I think a lot of nurturing overrides nature. Just my belief. Um, I'm going to list a few different personality disorders just so you can see the different ways we adapt. I'm not diagnosing you all with disorders. If you find yourself around here, you say, well, I do that. not saying that you actually have it. I'm just saying these are ways that we adapt. (laughs) Okay, so a personality disorder is any of a group of disorders in which patterns of perceiving, relating to, and thinking about oneself and one's environment interfere with the long-term functioning of an individual, often manifested in deviant behavior and lifestyle. Another definition is any group of psychiatric disorders in which a person's abnormal self-perception or ability to relate to others results in undesirable behaviors and interferes with the normal social and emotional functioning. Now, right there we could say we have some of this stuff. So the first one, paranoid, you have a lot of fear, and you project it onto others. All of us have a little certain amount of paranoia. That lack of trust and all that is really kind of paranoia. The other one, schizo, you split or you detach from reality. Antisocial, that's your sociopath, your psychopath, you live without a conscience. Borderline. Inability to connect and be autonomous. Dependent. You're enmeshed and clingy. You fear abandonment. Avoidant. Often feels like you're less than. You have the fear of being rejected. So you avoid stuff. And then narcissists, Grandiose. Self-centered. And the thing with the narcissist is we all have that in us. Because, you know, really... We care more about ourselves than anybody anyway. Not a good trait. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So our needs drive the personality splits. We needed love, and instead we often got engulfment and felt swallowed up. Or we were controlled, and that hurt made us believe that it's better not to need. So if you had engulfment just means someone is just constantly... On you. You know, you had those parents that did not let you breathe at all. Yes, just if you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just good God. You know, and it's not, and you know, sometimes we think of a golf mill, that's a good thing because you're always, you know, about your kid and all that. No, it's your parents' own sick thing of needing to always be attached to you and does not want to separate from you and let you be your own individual. Or when you're controlled in every little thing you do, they're telling you how you think. They're, they're telling you what you believe, why you did this, why you did that. All of that makes us go into the fact that, you know, it's better for me not to even want love. Let me just be autonomous. Let me just be in my own little world, and I'll survive. Uh, we begin to fight for a way to self-contain. We decided we can live without love, without comfort and without encouragement, so we stopped seeking it. The next is our need is freedom. Instead, we felt abandonment. My truth, my need to express, to just be me equaled me being left. So every time you tried to like do your thing or say what you wanted to say or say I see things differently, you got abandoned. You got kicked to the side. You got told to shut up and sit down. Now I feel I must comply to be kept. So I never really exert with who I am, what I feel. I'm always teetering right here. It's like, how much should I say? And then that's how we get into editing, and that's how we slip into lying. Because I give you just enough just to see how you're gonna respond, and then if the response don't go quite the way I hoped, then I keep that back. Or I may switch just a little bit of it just so I can stay in your graces. Now I feel um, my truth must be hidden, so we then become carbon copies of each other. Let me just act like you. Let me just be who you want me to be. It starts very young. Last is the need for forgiveness. Instead, we got intense shame and guilt. So now I need to be perfect. I can't show you my flaws. Because what I'm expecting is you to come over with me with the hammer, tell me how awful I am for one infraction. So now I just keep it all in. Now four things occur if we go and treat it. These disorders are lifelong and we will be stuck in the same pattern. We will keep living the same life to our spiritual and emotional demise. So we'll just keep doing this. Spiritually, we're dying. Emotionally, we're dying. We're just in this pattern of almost suicide because we're so afraid to deal with these core things because this is our only way of being. And we think that these adaptations are the things that are protecting us. This is what's keeping me safe. And you, Jesus, are asking me to give up what has kept me safe all my life. And trust you to secure me. Serious. But that's what he's asking for. It is guaranteed. Go it. We will get worse with time. We're not going to get better. You don't get older and figure it out. You just get more damage and more stuck in your ways. Um, three, others will pay. Because that's the nature of being disordered. People always pay for our disease. So even the people we really love and the people we really want close, they still somehow pay. Because we won't deal with the core stuff. And four, we live our lives an automatic pilot. We're very unconscious. We just know how to do what we do. You get hurt, you shut down, you run away. We don't think about it. And then we sometimes we wake up and we say, how did I get here? Like, some years have passed me by, and why am I still here? Because you're just an automatic pilot. You just do what you know how to do. What you've been doing since you was 4, 5, six, seven, eight, nine. It's just your way of being. Then how do you recognize when you're doing it? Because you know when automatic pilot is on, there's no thinking. There's no processing. It's just being. So we become not open to new realities. So the reality that God says we can have, it's almost, it's completely foreign. I can't even really see it. You know, even though he said, you know, what's that scripture that says, the glass darkly? Gosh. Yes, thank y'all. Goodness. It's not even a glass that's dark. We got, like, a big blackout curtain. <laughs> we ain't seeing nothing through it. It's like every once in a while, we kind of, like, peek it open and say, oh God, I really want to believe this is what I can have. But... Mm-mm. not quite coming out of that curtain. We're going to stay behind here. And then all of us are behind the curtain together, so we right. have a lot of friends behind this curtain. <laughs> only see a couple of two people over there. We're going to leave them <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> 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 uh, they got it wrong. we over here, the spacious, okay, yeah. the wide. Yeah. we all standing over here together. On the wrong way. Good Lord reality becomes only what we construct it to be from a disordered perspective. So the reality that we believe is truth is just a disordered reality. This is not real what we see. We are really in the fantasy. Yeah. We are still looking at life from the needs we're trying to fight against. God has a process. He starts with gentle nudges, and over time, when we don't listen, when we don't repent, when we don't change our way, the nudges become more and more harsher until we get to the point where we lose it all. We are left standing alone and with nothing. And that's why you see a lot of people at the end of their life are just alone and with nothing. Because they refuse to change. And as good Christian folks die alone and with nothing. God is a God of second and third and fourth chances, but He is not a God of forever chances. And we don't really know when the chances run out. We don't really know when He said, You know what? I didn't talk to you one time too many. I didn't send too many folks your way to tell you to get this straight to show you who you are, and you keep tell me what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know how to pray. Okay, God, forgive me. And we keep on the same path. And we're going to hope he got a couple of more nudges for us because I don't know if we're going to get in one or two more, but we're going to pray that he got at least ten more stacked up. <laughs> Can you touch my shoulder just a couple more times because I don't know. Uh, the thing is with these disorders is it stops you from seeing you. You no longer really see yourself. You just see this fantasy world. And that's why it's, this is why these disorders are considered unchangeable and unfixable, because you can't see yourself. How do you change something you can't see? Let God transform you and you will pay in the end with life, you know? Or you'll pay with destruction. It's a big pill to swallow. Remember the narrow way is the way of pressure and groanings and distress. Nothing about aborting your carefully constructed worldview will be easy. But if you can give it up for the God's view, you will have life now and in the world to come. So the road to redemption has about four steps. The first step is to submit to God's healings. How can you be healed if you cannot tell him what you need to be healed from? As we learned earlier, one way to healing is to Confess. We must be able to look at ourselves and see how messed up we are and call it what it is. Not make excuses, not say because. We all have explanation as to how we got where we are. And all of them are valid. All of them need to be embraced. Not just, you know, any of it. All of it is real. However, you've got to be able to say, I am this, period. Okay, step two, which is even scarier than step one, is to invest in long-term grace and truth in the form of people with these attributes. You've gotta find people that embody grace and truth. But you've gotta find people that are on this path. Not perfection, not people without problems, but people that embody grace and truth. Right, but you have, there's a certain amount of connection you get when you feel grace and love. When you feel someone that will tell you who you are, but they're not trying to shame and guilt you. They're trying to move you toward you being a better person. Those are the people we have to find. But because we're so screwed up, we keep attracting and running to sick people. We've got to be able to somehow ask God for discernment. Show me who needs to rub up against me so that I can get myself together. And then trust who he puts in your path. It may not be a friend friend. It may just people with grace and truth that are willing to tell you, you're a little sick. That about you is ugly. They do it in love, but you got to change this. This is not going to work. When we, you generally rub up against people like that, we're, like, a little offended. We get defensive. And we start seeing it from our disordered perspective that even if they're giving us love, even if they're giving us grace and truth, we see it disordered and say, you're judging me, you're trying to shame me, you're trying to guilt me. And they're like, no. And then you let another one slip by because then you cut your hand off to them, that might have been somebody God sent to tell you just about you. So, one problem with people with personality disorders is that they don't have an observing ego, they can't see themselves and all of their little junk. So, you've got to find somebody that will show you you until you're able to see yourself. Because you'll get to the point where you can just see your ugliness okay, this is, okay, I'm doing this again. I'm operating out of this disorder. I'm operating out of craziness. This is not of God. I've got to change that. But until you're able to catch yourself, you need somebody to point it out to you. And you can't say this is who I am. You can't say this is just me. I've always been this way. That's our favorite line. You know, this is what I've been doing. What you've been doing is wrong. Remember, you need people who can show you grace and truth because grace without truth is a license to act a nut. Step three, identify your unredeemed parts. Redemption must be participatory. You've got to participate in this redemption walk. You can't just lay there, okay, Jesus, you know I am messed up, now fix me. You know, so we love to stand up and say, you know, take out whatever's in me, make it clean, I'm a clean person. no. He's not just taking it out. You've got to hand it to him. You've got to tell him this is messed up about me. Let's work this together. I'm going to participate with you. Remember, this is a relationship. You can't have a good relationship and you just laying on on the bed all day and not doing nothing to, to partake in it. Folks will get tired of you. Entering the gate and walking the way is an active lifestyle. You must strive to enter and you must seek the right way. If you want the easy right route, excuse me, then know you are also choosing the path of destruction. Step four is to master you and live with real choices. You have to release all your automatic responses and take complete responsibility for your life and the direction of your life. No more laying back saying, when this happened to me, this is where I am. Everybody's screwing me over. I can't get no opportunities. No, go make something happen and trust the Lord to be behind you. It may not come the way you want it to come. It may not look how you want it to look. But remember, part of being on that way is frustrating your plans that you thought was so beautiful and well-constructed, and how you wanted to see your life. Because really and honestly, when we get mad and frustrated, aren't we just simply saying, Lord, your way is wrong? Because if the scripture is true, that he works everything out for the good of them that are called, are you called, according to his purpose, then won't he work all of that out for your good? Hard to hold on to when my plan is frustrated, when I think it should've looked a different way. There is no life for the lazy. Laziness does not work on God's path. If he didn't get the rest, why should we think we are supposed to be resting? You must be conscious and aware at all times. And if you ask God for that, he will always be talking in your ear. Whenever you make that wrong step, not. Whenever you say something, you stop. He's really good with it. Very quick, too. <laughs> Woo, we must be able to receive love and give love. And sometimes we get happy or think we're doing something because we think we're giving love to people. I'm very loving. I can be loving. I can do all that. But you can't receive anything. That's not of God. It is a give and take process. You've got to work on being able to receive. And the reason why receiving love is so hard is because we go back to those unmet needs that we didn't have. And we always think something negative is going to be attached. Somehow this is going to turn around and bite me in my butt. If I take this from you, what are you going to want in the end? How are you going to try to get me back? What are you going to throw up in my face? Like, I just did look another thing. I'm always telling my business. But another thing, I had a child predator seminar last Saturday, and a girl wanted to host it at her house for her friends, whatever, which is fabulous, right? So I'm like, oh, God, what do I need to bring? I'm bringing the seminar. Isn't that enough? No, not for me. Okay, well, what do you do? Well, I said, well, you know, well, you know, we should probably have some snacks. Let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I'll buy and One of the other girls that she was teaming up with, she was like, oh, I'll, I'll just get some sandwiches from Costco. No, 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 I'll buy them. And after I got in the car, I wanted to kick myself because I'm like, why am I doing it? If they want to do that, you know what I mean? But that's me feeling like, okay, because I'm already charging, you know, although I'm charging hardly nothing, but I'm charging you to come and deliver this, but it's very uncomfortable for me just to give that, because it's like there's no substance to that, see? And then that's not valuing what I'm giving. See this ugliness, you see? So it's like all that that's working in you that God is like, that's not acceptable to me. Like I gave you this gift, I gave you this ability. Why don't you walk in with it with some type of authority and assurance that this is this is you? Let someone give something back to you. And the trip thing of these one of the girls I've never even met before, it was my first time meeting her the day before. She was like, just let us do something for you. And I'm like then I'm, when I'm walking out, you need plates? You need, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uncomfortable for me. It's my normal. Cause that's how I've always been. See, that's not Jesus though. And who, you know, and it's not some, we always, well, maybe this is heaven or hell. Uh, You know, I don't know. Um, Lord knows I'm not saying who's making it and who's not making it. But I'm saying, he's saying this leads to eternal life and this leads to eternal destruction. So, you know, we're not dumb people. We can figure that out. So, you know, it be doing, being this person, having all these issues, having all these insecurities, all this crap, it may stop me from getting to heaven. Serious? it's hard to be able to work this stuff out of you and it takes a lot of honesty and you've got to have people that you can just be honest with that you can just say, this is me. This is what I'm, this is what I'm dealing with so that they can, okay, let's get you back on the path. You gotta, this is what the body of Christ was about. This is how, why we came together. We didn't come together necessarily for this. For somebody to be up here telling you da 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 it was so much more than that. It was us coming together. I mean, we go back to the original church. They read a letter, and then they just commune together. Well, Liz, what did that mean to you? How was that supposed to work? Okay, we got to fix that in you. That ain't too good. This is what the body was for. And we've made it so alienating. And this is why we're all still so messed up. And okay with being messed up and hoping with fingers and everything else crossed that God is not serious and this is not what it's gonna take to make it to heaven. But I can check off and say, but I was baptized in Jesus' name, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, and I speak in tongues. And if you just conjure it up enough, I'll do it again for you right now. <laughs> and we say, okay, and I stopped doing this, and I stopped, and really we ain't stopped doing hardly nothing. I don't lie no more. You lying right now. Exactly. If you start thinking about all the times, you just say a little lie. It's often. It's true. It's true. And just even presenting yourself in a lie. We're just, we're so dishonest. And if we believe God hates lies, how do we get away with this? How do we say that we're living for Christ and we're doing the Jesus thing when we're so dishonest? Something in that has to say, no, you are a liar. And far from God right now. Now that because he's so gracious and because he's forgiving and because he's always, you know, willing to take us back until we are finished. The door is always open, but can we at least admit that we not these little perfect saints running around acting like we got it together? Can't we just say we just a mess of people trying to find Jesus and whenever we hear the truth, we're going to try to add it to our life? Because isn't that what being a believer is about? That once you hear the truth and the truth is, is you know, enlightened for you, you say, ah, that I will follow. It's not about you having it all in one moment and you're not learning anymore as you go. And I think that's what's happened to us. we stopped our learning because we figured we got it, and how arrogant is that of us to think we know God like really honestly, I question myself I'm like, what the heck am I doing up here because Lord knows I'm you y'all hear how flawed I am, you know what I mean? It's like you know, I'm not professing that I know this is just God, that's why I tell you people to go find it for yourself. this is what I receive and get it, but you know, we're so arrogant. I'm like, this is what God wants. This is what God said. Who oh, are you? The, the, the God that created everything that's keeping us fun. We know him when he said there's mysteries that we would never know. And you're gonna tell me that you just so touched by God and you just know so much? Good Lord, that's a little arrogant. We've got to be careful. Even in our witnessing, we got to be careful. Now, this is what my truth is. This is what I believe. This is what, you know, God has showed me. And I'm going to tell you that. And I'm going to let God work on you to do what he going to do with you. I'm not telling you X, Y, or Z. This is just me. Now, share with me what you know. Maybe we'll learn something together. Instead of you going to hell, you ain't with God, that's just not our place. Because we don't know. And since judgment don't happen until somebody hits the dirt, they got all that time to get right. Because really, we're saying we're going to heaven. But we don't really know we're going there. We hope that we're going to heaven. Yeah. So let's just be a little careful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so the last scripture I have, and I'm finished. That's all I'm saying, because the greatest command is to love God and love others. He said everything hinged on those two things, loving God and loving others. We have felt profusely on the loving of God and the loving others, and even more so on loving others, because if I don't even know if I kind of like you, and I can't trust you to even have a cup of tea with you. How am I going to love you? And we can't love until we're first loved by Christ. So until we can receive the love of God, take it into our every being, we'll never be able to give that to anybody else. We'll always be slighted. We'll never be able to even love God. But we kind of start off with, let me love God. Let me show you, God, how much I love you. Let me show you how much I'm into you. Instead of saying, God, you know what? I know nothing about love. I'm just going to sit back for a moment and let you love me. Teach me what love is about. Teach me how to give love to others. But see, we got a problem with receiving. Because I'm thinking that as God is teaching me, I'm a little nervous that he's going to come then and take me to hell. In the moment of our learning time. (laughs) You knew we was learning. Why would you go and take my life right now? That was a little unfair, you know. <laughs> a little nervous about that. Oh, gosh. Okay, so James 4, 7 through 10, and I shall end. It says, So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling and sin, Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. He's very clear in his directions speaks just good old English, not difficult, we ain't got to try to die, say, get a revelation, it's just simple, that's what it is, that's what he expects of us, this is what we must do.